0: Welcome, I'm Justin Little, host of the Mental Wealth Podcast, available on Apple, Spotify, and Google, and now heard in 31-plus countries worldwide. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe, follow, and share this podcast, and feel free to leave us a review. To support us, find us on Instagram at the Mental Podcast, and be sure to visit our brand new website, www.MentalWealthPodcast.org. That's www.mentalwealthpodcast.org. If you'd like to support us financially, be a guest, or sponsor an episode, please email us at contacttmwp@gmail.com. gmail.com. As always, please take the time to invest into your mental health, wealth, and well-being. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Justin Little, and you're listening to The Mental Wealth Podcast. all you guys into episode number 39 of the mental wealth podcast. Someone please call 911. and That's going to be very apparent when you get to the end of this episode. This one again, thank you guys all for the support. I'm going to keep this intro very, very, very short because I have a lot of content to get to and um, I'm recording this intro after I recorded the outro. So um, when you get to the end of the episode, you'll realize why, but just thank you for your support. Uh, a couple updates, the Clayton Eckert episode finally is up on YouTube. I just want to give a personal shout out to my good friend, Shania Soler, um, who edited that, put the reels. We still have more content coming out this week from that impactful, impactful episode. Um, YouTube channel is just starting off, so I think it's only maybe 30 views on YouTube. But I mean, the podcast has a couple hundred downloads itself, audio format. And of course, the initial live in its raw format on Instagram has... Close to 600 views, I believe the whole hour long video, Um, not to mention we reached 8000 people as it was live and the reels have thousands of. So, I mean, the content's been great. Clayton's been been amazing. Um, And uh, just thank you guys for the support of that and more to come. Um, Also, obviously, happy May. Happy Mental Health Awareness Month hopefully you guys are doing something for yourselves intentional. This this month, I held a room today on Clubhouse talking about, hey, what are we going to do different, right? Not just awareness. Awareness is cool, but action. What can you do for yourself different? What can you do for someone else? Um, So be thinking about that. And finally, I'll just briefly mention that um, I'm doing a fundraiser, trying to raise 750 bucks this month. I did a fundraiser earlier this year for the Lead Tops Young Foundation. As you know, I'm a board director for and raised a little over 400 bucks so i want to try to raise a little bit more this time i um, set to go high but you can donate by going to my instagram at the mental underscore wealth podcast all proceeds go directly to the lee thompson young foundation they're tagged in it you can read about us so you can donate directly there of course you know it's a tax write-off it's tax deductible donations anything that you could donate 10 15 20 bucks um, it's appreciated you can also go to my website at mentalwealthpodcast.org um, and you can scroll down and you'll see the link, a couple of links for the Lee Thompson Young Foundation. One of them, they're actually to the website where you can read about us. You can look and see who's on the board of directors. You'll see my name and face and biography there. Then the other link is a flip calls page that's tied back to the foundation where you can donate directly to my part of the organization. You'll get a receipt. You'll be able to keep that for tax purposes as well. So two main ways that you can donate. So any support that you can give, we're solely appreciative of If you have any questions reach out to me on instagram or email me um and i can definitely answer those questions for you so subscribe if you're not already subscribed to the youtube channel continue to share the podcast leave us a review we're still we haven't got the reviews we would love but we have plenty of listeners so if you're listening on apple just go rate us drop us a little just tell us how much you enjoy the podcast we would really 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 appreciate the review so light and love and with that like i promised, keeping the intro very short we're gonna get right into the episode today. All right, so my guest today, and you'll soon understand it, the the title of the episode of episode number is it is it thirty nine? Oh yeah, definitely episode number thirty nine. Paige Gaines. Here's her bio. At age uh, just thirty one, Paige Gaines has already made a name for herself nationwide as a sought after speaker and prominent mental health activist. A two-time suicide survivor diagnosed with bipolar disorder at the age of 22, making her life's journey full of adversity, strength, and impact. After feeling invisible and without a purpose for the first 24 years of her life, she is now the founder and CEO of 911 Saint Jane. With a bachelor in public relations from Kennesaw State University, she understands the importance of community education and awareness. Through her work, she suddenly realized her life's meaning to change the lens through which people see the world. I think that's beautiful. And before I introduce the podcast today, on her website, 911 saintjanecom it's going to be in the episode notes. Um, she has a, a page where she writes a few letters to herself, and one particularly was super powerful, entitled My Depression. Uh, she wrote this on 12-2-2019. She says, To my dearest, I was told to just write to write without thinking, so that's what I'll do. I struggle with many things and completing big projects is one of them. My mind becomes busy and chaotic without order, and most of the time I drop the ball somewhere. I haven't really been feeling my best lately, but I'm making it. I went to my psychiatrist last week, my psychiatrist, excuse me, (laughs) it went well. I was able to get some meds adjusted, thank God, because getting out of bed and showering has been horrific. I wake up, and my body gets heavier and heavier with each breath. I sink into my bed and gaze out the window, wondering how in the world am I able, uh, about to get up and gather myself? It's not always about feeling sad. It's the inability to function that kills me. Life seems to fly when I am unwell, yet it moves so slow through my eyes. I can sit in filth, and be unbothered. Weird enough, I find comfort in my depression. It's all I've ever I've known for so long. I'm used to it. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Imagine living in complete darkness 24-7, then boom, somebody turns the light on. You would squint your eyes, cover your face, because why? It's too bright. I found comfort in my depression. It is expected and it has been for for some time now. It comes in ways but never seems to completely settle. There is always a lingering thought. Do I want to live? I'm exhausted. I can't today. Where can I hide, bundle up, and cry? This is my life. This is what I live with. It is kind of odd seeing it on paper, but it is true. And let's not forget those other thoughts. The negative self-talk is what they call it. You're lazy is one of my faves. I hear that on repeat all day, every day. It never seems to fail me. But hey, on the bright side, I am better than I used to be. Way better. I can appreciate that. It is not always bad, bad. I do have my days where I am up and at it, getting stuff done, and let me tell you, I cherish those 24 hours. Feeling capable of getting my life together and completing my to-do list is a win in my book. It may seem simple, but it is far from. I am curious of what life is like without depression. I look at others and wonder, I wonder what it feels like to have one or two bad days. Not so good moments and justified tears. I wonder what it feels like to be free from emotional turmoil and lies. I can't imagine, but I do wonder. Life without depression, what would that be? XOXO, St. Jane. That was beautiful, phenomenally written. Here is my conversation with St. Jane, a.k.a. Page Gaines. All right, guys, so the first five minutes of this episode... um, And it might end up being a little bit less than that as I edited in. Um, There were some issues with my computer, the recording software, where a lot of the episode was corrupted. So I had to kind of pivot. And good thing I had a backup file that I was recording in the background just in case something happened. Um, But the main software corrupted um, the files. And so the first five minutes of the podcast was lost, but I'm going to seamlessly crop in her answers. So you're going to hear me. It was really the issue with my audio. But you're going to hear me kind of speak to what the conversation was going through. Then you'll hear from Paige. And then at some point, it's going to transition and it'll be smooth the rest of the episode, I promise you. So thank you for bearing with me. Uh, but first, I kind of just started off with just, you know, the, the the typical how are you today? But as you know, with my recent episodes, I have been wondering intentionally, like, let's check in with Paige, mentally, physically, emotionally. Paige, um, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. I um, am happy that the sun is out a little bit longer, um, that we're getting some warmer weather in Georgia. So um, yeah, all of that really does affect my mood and just my mental space. So considering we are on the uptick of spring and summer, I'm actually doing pretty well.
0: Now, uh, Paige, we we saw you a few weeks ago uh, on a panel that Dr. Alfie um, hosted. Um, In partnership with the Mental Wealth Alliance and Charlemagne the God, iHeartRadio, it was an online seminar on Zoom entitled You Are Not a Burden. She had panels, um, speakers talking about suicide prevention awareness and um, everything that's that's important and you had the privilege of being a part of it. Just tell us um, what that event meant for you, how that came to be, um, why you wanted to be a part of something so um, transformative and monumental. Uh, for the BIPOC mental health community.
1: So I actually was able to connect with Dr. Alfie doing a documentary that focused on Black youth suicide. And um, just kind of having that conversation and being able to talk about it nationwide was really important for me um, and being able to share my personal journey personal journey as a two-time suicide survivor. So that's how our relationship started. And then we were able to do the panel together. And like you said, it was such an amazing event. Um, So many great speakers. It was just a very empowering place to be, to have such a challenging conversation. Uh, They really did create a safe space. And it was comforting to me because I went about 10 years as a suicide survivor without anybody knowing that I had really, it just meant a lot. And um, again, having that opportunity to share my story in hopes of helping somebody else was definitely life-changing.
0: Now you also mentioned uh, suicide, ideation, suicide, surviving. We read your bio to the audience. So we understand that um, this is something that you've dealt with. And you said you went 10 years and no one knew. So why was that uh, so hard for you? Um, what was that like just coming to grips and being able to share that finally sharing uh, your experience with that?
1: I didn't feel as if I had the right to be sad because we also heard you have food in your stomach, you have a house yes. over your head, you're receiving good education. We're just sacrificing a lot and providing all these things for you. Therefore, what's the real reason of why you would be sad? And I think at that point, um, I'm 31 years old now, so a long time ago. Um, mental health wasn't a topic. It wasn't a discussion. We didn't have language. We were just lacking so many different resources to where I would have been able to talk about it because truthfully, I didn't know what was going on. And I can't even really recall if I knew what the word was for what happened. Um, So, again, not being able to communicate that situation and then not feeling validated in the way that I felt were such big barriers to where um, I, again, did not feel comfortable talking about it or just expressing my feelings.
0: Now, do you think it's like a generational thing within our community of the commonalities of in the BIPOC community of gaslighting, having your feelings invalidated? Telling you just to get over it, move on, don't put business in the streets, not to show weakness, just to sweep things underneath the rug. What have you seen? What, what are your thoughts um, regarding, you know, just how we're raised um, in this space and what we were kind of taught to believe versus what we now know as people who are involved in the mental health space?
1: We never really had the right to be tired. We never really had the right to be sad. Um, we've always had to work really hard, whether it be our choice or not. Um, it's just definitely always been get up, do your job, go home, go to bed, right? Accomplish these goals. It was just never any space or safe space for us to process feelings, to talk about emotions, to even be provided the opportunity to learn the language to do so. So I definitely believe it's generational um, And it's interesting, there's a post that floats around on Facebook and Instagram that says, give your parents a break. They didn't have the same resources as you do. And, you know, that really resonated with me because it took a while for me to forgive my parents. And they're one of my, they're my biggest supporters now. But it took a while for us to get to this point. But that post really led me to understand, like, you know, they did the best that they could with what they had kids and I don't plan on having kids but I do work with youth and young adults and I do recognize the need for me to again understanding and learning proper language when it comes to mental health just educating myself on the topic in its entirety in order to help the next individual
0: I love that I love that um you know passing it forward and using your your lived experience to help other people um, I'm a board director for the Lee Thompson Young Foundation and that's based down there in Georgia where you are. And, you know, we are really, really um, happy to, to to go and talk to the youth because I think that that's where we can make the biggest difference. Because this kind of is a nice segue to my next question, because, you know, what from my experience growing up and we're, we're similar ages, is that there wasn't much education. There wasn't talk about mental health. So not just what we were facing in the family aspect, right? From the aspect of how black families were being raised. But when I went into the school system, into the public school system, mental health wasn't like a priority. It wasn't talked about. We spent a lot of time learning things, you know, about calculus and, you know, um, where you're gonna go to college, but no time was ever spent on mental health. And I know you mentioned in your bio that you were diagnosed at 22 with bipolar. But talk to me about like those teenage years. Like, what did you see from that perspective, right? When it came to mental, were you cognizant of it? Were you aware that there was something not right with you? Um, how were you able to kind of work through those things growing up as a teenager?
1: Yeah, for sure. I definitely was aware that something wasn't right. Um, I just experienced a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression. My actual symptoms of bipolar disorder didn't come to light until I was in my twenties, but the years leading up into that, I definitely was quite suicidal majority of the time. Um, And again, I did not have the language and I know it's repetitive, but it's so important to talk about um, the language when it comes to being able to express ourselves and what we're going through, um, because that's how we ask for help. So without that, I didn't know how to communicate and how to really have these conversations in order to receive that help in order to move forward in order to develop those coping skills or whatever the case may be. I was kind of just going with the flow and seeing how things turned out. Um, So I was quite social. So a lot of my friends were a great support system. Um, But at the very same moment, I was quite a loner too. So I did spend a lot of time by myself. But um, yeah, navigating those years were quite tough. But, I mean, just during the daytime, I would smile. And then during the nighttime was my time to really be true to myself. And majority of those nights were spent um, quite upset, quite suicidal, and just full of tears, honestly.
0: And then you get to a point where, you know, you mentioned, and of course, trigger warning for anyone listening. But I think it's important that we do talk about it, where you make, you know, your first attempt, um, where, you, where you, you you know, you obviously felt where that was the decision to make could you talk me through you know just obviously what what for you got you to that point um of just no return of feeling like that was all that you could take in this world
1: yeah um so I just had a lot of childhood trauma that I um was dealing with and that I was not able to necessarily cope with healthy healthy in a healthy manner excuse me um, so that's
0: really what led me to my attempt. I just didn't have an outlet, and um, my life was just full of darkness. Do you do you think? And, and and I'm also a suicide survivor as well. And there's many others like us because it's kind of a it's a unique language. I believe that many of those who have attempted um, and obviously been unsuccessful speak like it's just kind of understanding. And we all have different experiences, but understanding how how low someone can get. You looking back on it now, right? From from your perspective, knowing what you know now as a coach and someone who's using your platform to raise awareness and to take action, what what could have what could have someone have done that would have changed that outcome, right? That would have changed that attempt. What what could have been, or someone, or what systems, or what what could have been in place, right, to make you not feel like that was that was your option? Um, I think we can
1: just kind of relate back to what we're doing today and in this time. So having somebody be transparent, having somebody to share that story, knowing that I was not the only one that was feeling like that. Um, I think it's important for people to share their lived experience because it really does open up so many conversations and it just normalizes the conversation it normalizes the language. It normalizes the topic. And it eases a lot of anxiety. And again, it reminds that individual that they're not alone. Um, So for me, knowing that somebody was living with similar challenges would have been helpful. Um, Again, being able to talk about it in schools would have been helpful. Um, I actually used to work with the suicide prevention grant called the Gary Smith grant. And we would go into schools and work one-on-one with youth ages 16 to, or actually 10 to 24, I believe. It's been a while, so forgive me, those numbers aren't correct, but um, they would either be suicidal, have uh, intense suicidal ideations, or they are a survivor um, or a combination. But regardless, it was always working one-on-one and being able to provide them with a wellness plan, being able to provide them with a crisis plan. So again, just implementing that into their everyday lives so they're able to take those coping skills back home and practice them at their house, practice them with their family. Um, Just knowing that again, that they're not by themselves. And again, that they're having that education behind the language of how they can communicate what their needs are.
0: Yeah, I I love that. I love that, you know, because, and my audience gets tired of me saying this, but it's my buzzword. It's it's what I love is mental health awareness is very important. Don't get me wrong because it starts there because so many people, particularly from our community, Never knew what it was, right? They they get to being in their twenties and thirties and finally find out what mental health is, and never took it serious. Yet we have to do more, right? We have to do actionable items, things that um, we can put our finger on and says, "Look, here's the work, right?" Like you know, we're going to get into some of the things that you're doing and that you've done, but that's important because to your point, if we want to change the narrative and change the stigma, it starts with changing it so we can't just talk about it that it exists we have to go and what can we do to turn that around right and i think to your point education community activism having conversations a few weeks ago i was um, at an event that uh, jay barnett who's familiar with dr alfie as well he hosted here in my local hometown of virginia and young college boys 19 20 year old men at school football team football players talking about mental, talking about things they've struggled with, that they've never opened up. And I think there's so much power in that because we we can give safe spaces to men and women who have never had them. And I think, um, at least speaking from my experience, not sure about you, but had I had that safe space, if I had felt safe years ago when I first tried to take my own life, I don't think I would have done it. I think I would have been able to work through those issues because I would have felt like there was somewhere that I could go to get that help. No, I
1: absolutely agree.
0: Yeah, so 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 tell us um you created something and I love this name. Um nine one one Saint Jane. And I was browsing your website the other day and I was like like I knew I was gonna ask you about it obviously, but I was like I had to do some research and I, I found my answer, but I'm gonna let you tell the audience. Like the origin before we even get into some of the things that you're doing and creating with nine one one Saint Jane just talk me through where you get that name from. Cause obviously we know you're page gained, so you're not Saint Jane, but that this, this persona and this, um, this brand that you created is so interesting. Could you just tell the audience, uh, where that name comes from and why that was so important to you?
1: Sure. So, um, the story actually starts, I was quite, uh, again, I live with bipolar disorder, which, you know, is full of ups and downs. So, um, I was in, I was coming down from a manic stage, and was hitting quite um, intense depression, and a girlfriend of mine asked me. She's like, "Well, can you just throw yourself into work? Does that help?" And I'm like, "I wish." And so she encouraged me. She said, "I think you should do a blog, like a Dear Diary type thing." And so when she said that, it just immediately came to my head, like to my dearest Exo Exo and Jane. Um, and I was like, "Oh my God, that sounds so cool!" So at first, it was just something like an idea that popped in my head. But um, the further I went into building it out, I'm like, what does this actually mean for me? Um, So for so many years, uh, definitely in my 20s, I was just living a very, uh, what's the word? Uh, Vivid life, (laughs) (laughs) so to say. And, um, you know, I just really did not expect to live past 24, 25 years old, either by my own hand or by just the lifestyle that I was living. And I always thought that I would actually be a Jane Doe and that my parents wouldn't know my entire story until I passed away. Um, So that's where Jane came from. And then it's also associated with all the untold stories, all those individuals that have passed, all those individuals that are still alive. And they don't have anybody or they have not yet been able to express or share their story because we all have one, right? We all have things that would be better if we said them out loud. We'd get better support, whatever the case may be. So Jane is, again, for all those untold stories, for all those individuals. And then saying it's just simple. It's that everyday, um, I'm not going to call it a struggle. It's that everyday effort that we put into our sanity, whatever that may be. If you have great self care, um, awesome. If you're working on building your self care, even better. Um, but again, just that everyday challenge, that everyday effort that we put into making our uh, sanity very real and very stable. So, um, yeah, that's where St. Jane came from. And to put some urgency on it, we added 911.
0: I love, you know. Um... That concept is so dope, right? Because when I was reading that letter that you wrote, I think, is that a letter you're writing to yourself, by the way? Kind of, or is it? To, to, to everyone, okay. To everyone. <laughs> to anyone who will read it, right? I love yeah, that. I love exactly. that journalistic piece. And obviously, you know, we know you have a degree um, in, in PR, so you're a beautiful writer. And I, when I was reading, I was like, yeah, that concept of just someone assuming that you're crazy or insane is simply because of your condition, and then you kind of taking that and putting a play on words. Like, I think that's a genius concept and uniquely yours. I, I love everything about it. And all, you know, you you go on to write. Um, about you know one for your anxiety, your depression. There was one excerpt that I really, really appreciated. Um, I think this is from yours um, letter about depression. It says, "I am curious of what life is like without depression. I look at others and wonder. I wonder what it feels like to have one or two bad days, not so um, not so good moments and justified tears. I wonder what it feels like to be free from emotional turmoil and lies. I can't imagine, but I do wonder. Life without depression, what would that be? That was that was so powerful." Um, Is that is that helpful for you, like in your healing process and in your your process of of going through your emotions of like writing to yourself or just putting down your thoughts um, in a journal um, kind of capacity? Yes, I've actually
1: been writing since I was a kid. Um, But truthfully, once I started experiencing um, like mental health challenges or whatever the case may be, I actually stopped writing because I just felt as if it was like a reminder of everything that I was going through. Um, And as you know, writing can be challenging because you are having to bear all, you are having to face those uh, challenges that you're experiencing. So it can be quite um, difficult to say the very least. So I still write it's definitely good for me we call it free therapy and I love free things so um and you can ask any therapist they will say the best tool the best coping skill that you can use is writing and some of them will even go as far as to say you probably don't need a therapist if you just sit down and write a little bit write daily um even if it's just two to three minutes just being able to get those thoughts out onto paper um is definitely beneficial so it is it's great for me it releases a lot of anxiety, it allows me to express myself, and that's actually how I was able to really jumpstart my brand, was by writing. I um, entered into like a writing competition or something of the sort, and I really wasn't expecting to hear back, but they actually published my story, and that's how everything really started. I had been building out my brand, but nobody really knew like the St. Jane portion, they just knew I was telling my story in some way, shape, or form. Um, but that article really catapulted the entire movement. And I'm forever grateful for that opportunity. And knowing that, I got such a great response as far as the actual writing portion. Um, I was like, okay, like I never considered myself to be a talented writer. I knew I wasn't a bad writer, but it was really just me expressing myself and speaking my truth. Um, and I knew that it was good for me personally, so I just continued to do so. And um, yeah, so it's, it's definitely a coping skill that I love. It's definitely something that's beneficial. To me.
0: Yeah. Um, so where, where do you hope to take 911 St. Jane? Like what's Foot's future state look like for you?
1: Well, I would love a book. Okay. Um, that's actually what we're working on right now. and we're working on some self-care boxes just being able to bring my daily life into the hands of other individuals. So just keep your eye out for that. But just continuing to speak and travel, share my story and provide education. Those are always going to be my top priorities.
0: So when you say book, you mean like from the like an autobiography of you or from the perspective of more like self-care tips, things of things like what, what, where do you, what are you thinking of what you want to create?
1: Um, just the book sharing my story all in one place. I speak it a lot. Um, but I believe being able to get it down in a book and being able to share it with individuals that I'm not able to speak to or speak at a school or university, whatever the case, um, I definitely think it would be quite helpful. And um, it's something I've always wanted, but I wanted to put my uh, hands in the dirt a little bit and kind of work towards this point. And so I definitely feel as if I've built a platform that I'm proud of and I'm in the space to where I'm comfortable and being that vulnerable on such a
0: grand scan, grand scale. That's beautiful, and definitely, you know, audience. Some um, as we we make sure it's in the episode notes as well. Nine One One stjanecom and you know, you have some merchandise on there as well. So hopefully, they go on the support. You know, you got you know some some hoodies and some iPhone cases, some T shirts, stuff like that. Um, some hats, even to support uh, support the, the brand. And as you kind of continue to build your community, um, I also know that you're a mental health coach, right? So. Tell me a little bit about about you kind of, you know, putting yourself in a position to help coach others and help them through, although you have a lot to face on your own as well. Like, talk to me about your passion for wanting to put yourself in a position to coach others and help them through.
1: For sure. So in 2016, I actually got my certification to be a certified peer specialist. And during that process, you were actually taught how to use our story in order to help other individuals. Um, a great two week program. I learned a lot. Um, and just moving forward, I knew that I enjoyed I I like to talk. So um, but during that uh program, I also learned the importance of listening, and I think that really did change my life. And I love like really practicing that skill of effective listening, of present listening, and being able to be with that individual in the moment. So it's really just grown into coaching and being able to stay present so it's not therapy i always like to kind of emphasize that it's definitely not therapy it's not trauma related it's more so your present moment your present daily uh challenges like are you waking up with anxiety how can we cope through that what are your challenges throughout the day how can we manage your symptoms what what does that look like for you um so again creating wellness plans and building up crisis plans and really just putting a plan of action to our overall mental health. And again, I share my personal story and things that worked for me. Um, And we just tie it all in together. So I do, I enjoy working with individuals one-on-one. And we're actually starting a uh, suicide survivor support group um, in May. Uh, So we're excited about that. It's a DD Hirsch group called SOSA. Uh, built out of L.A., actually, okay. and um, that's what our focus is moving forward at the moment, but I am still working with individuals one-on-one, but I'm very much so excited about our SOSA group as well.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely keep us up to date in any way that we can support and, and attend to and just you know, um, get behind. We love here at the Mental Wealth Podcast, getting behind brands and people who are genuine, who want to make the change um, and, and, and be that actionable item, because that's a way that you're actually affecting your community. I'm um, speaking of that, too, because you mentioned that you in 2016, you got certified. Whenever someone on a platform, any type of education or sort of, certif- I'd love to, if you don't mind sharing, like what that, how long that process was or where you went, because there's many people who always mail me and say, look, hey, could you tell me how I, if I want to become a therapist, or when I'm talking to a therapist or doctor, or if I want to go through this program, how can I, you know, if they want to, um, you know, pay it forward as well? So could you talk a little bit about your experience with that, or how you you went about that program to, to be certified?
1: Yeah, For sure. So I actually was at a respite center in Atlanta, um, and I was it was brought to my attention by another peer that was working there. And Just like a respite center is where individual can go if they're facing mental health challenges, you can stay for up to a week and um, they don't, it's not a hospital, which is what I wanted. So it's not as expensive as a hospital, it's actually, again, it's free and then it's run by peers. So you're working with individuals that live with mental health challenges as well. But um, so while I was there, I was introduced to being a certified peer specialist. So I actually went ahead and filled out the application there and I was accepted and went through a two-week program in Columbus, Georgia. And again, all I know is about our program in Atlanta. So I'm not sure how it works in other states, but I'm sure if you just Google certified peer specialist, there's some type of program or some type of certification that is nearby. Um, But within Georgia, I went and spent two weeks in Columbus and just learned how to tell my story, how to work with individuals, how to run a support group, how to work with people one-on-one, just various skills that we were able to tackle. And then following that, I had to do a group interview in order to get my certification. So again, beautiful experience, being able to work with other individuals that have similar challenges and just being able to connect as one in order to help people in the future.
0: No, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing it and great call out as well that, you know, obviously from the perspective of, you know, different counties and regulations, there's different, um, you know, rules in place for where you go. Obviously you're speaking to your experience in Georgia. So we, we have listeners in 31 different countries. And so, um, people's experience from state to state will be different from country to country, but I think it's good for them to hear, um, you know, that relatively a simple, you know, process, right. To go get that certification and empower yourself to help other people. So, um, at least from, from your standpoint, and then maybe somewhere else, someone can be empowered to do the same. So, so thank you for sharing that as well. and, And glad that you're again, doing the work as a coach and um, holding those support groups and uh, making yourself available because you're paying it forward. Although you have gone through your own journey and still are going through it, you know, you're able to then, you know, pay it forward. So thank you for, for your hard work. Um, you. Of course, I did a few more questions for you before we get you out of here, because this has been just a really great conversation. Um, going back to something you mentioned a few minutes ago um, about, you know, writing for you as therapy. As you deal with, you know, your bipolar diagnosis, are there any other things that you do? Um, Are are you a fan of, you know, active uh, couch therapy now? Are you a fan of NLP or anything that you do to regulate yourself along with any type of, you know, self-care practices? What does your self-care look like from day to day just to help you stay in your best mental shape?
1: Yes. So I'm actually in therapy every other week. That's something that I take. Uh, Very seriously, (laughs) something I invest in. I also believe in investing in your mental health, so that's something that I do. But in addition to that, again, I write, and I'm also really big on meditation.
0: I love that. So, so your self care, meditation, um, writing—like, so you find it to turn off the phone, to like to go somewhere by yourself, like just to allow yourself to be still and unbothered. Do you like? Do you put in like? guidelines where this is a do not disturb moment like i'm putting i'm not responding to emails i'm not picking up the phone like just taking some intentional time for you does that work for you or
1: yes yeah, so i actually put my phone on do not disturb about 10 o'clock every night and then it doesn't come off of do not disturb until about eight o'clock and that's after i do my meditation and my writing for the morning so i try to make sure i go to sleep with my own thoughts and my own emotions. And I wake up the same way just to ensure that I'm aware of how I'm entering into the world. What kind of energy am I presenting? And then what kind of energy am I going to be able to accept that day?
0: I love that. I think that we all need to be champions of self-care, not just when it's a buzzword, not just when it's a self-care month. Right. We need to find ways each day. Even if it's five ten minutes to buy out time for ourselves I think that's important and I think when you are a leader in the space when you are a coach the best way you lead is by example and showing people look <laughs> I'm taking this time back for myself I think it was that one movie five heartbeats my office I was a nine to five like it was, a, okay. it was it was a buzzword but I think that it's important to set down whatever your boundaries are because I know for me like I find myself sometimes responding to emails at three four in the morning but that's because I'm a late I'm a night owl you know but Um, During the day, not so much. I think it's it's important for us to know boundaries, set those boundaries, and then have people around us enforce and respect those boundaries. So thank you for that. So um, where I want to leave it is one of the things in the mental health community, when someone is suffering from something you're suffering from or anything else, depression or all of the above, anxiety, many people are afraid to mention their diagnosis or the situation when it comes to dating or a partnership, right? When it comes to relationships, friendships, where are you at with that? Like, what's your stance on you knowing what you deal with and how, you know, no doubt you may or may not be medicated, but you know, you mentioned you're in therapy, whatever you, you're doing to regulate yourself. How does that, for you personally, when it comes to relationships and, and romance, how does that play a role for you?
1: Um. So, I guess as far as having that initial discussion, I am going, I'm in a three-year relationship with a partner and, um, but I've always been so open and transparent about my story. That's actually how we met. Um, so there was no initial conversation as far as, Hey, like I have bipolar disorder and this is my life story because it is so on front street. Um, it was kind of done for me. But I definitely learned the importance of being able to take care of myself and, again, practicing that language um, to be able to communicate my needs. So I always take a point to say, I don't need to be fixed. I just need support. And, um, you know, it's a challenge. Some days are better than others, but it's definitely something that we've committed ourselves to working through.
0: Yeah, the, that you just brought up a big point, the fix versus support, because a lot of times... I'll speak for many men We're we're, you know, logic based. We're like fixers. We want to just all right, solve. But sometimes it's like, honey, I just need you to hear me. I just need you. I just need to know that you're here. I just need to know that you love me, that you care, that you're going to listen through this, through this episode, through this time, through this experience. And so I think that's important. Now, granted, it's up to any individual person what they want to share with their partner. But do you do see value? Obviously. From your perspective of having some type of dialogue if you're going to be in a serious relationship with someone to let them know here's what you're going through right because a lot of people will come back and say well um you you don't you don't show me love or you don't understand me well if you don't tell them what you're feeling or going through what your situation is you can't really expect your partner to even try to understand or how to deal with someone in your condition right so you do see value in that
1: oh for sure
0: That's awesome. And I think that, you know, maybe for someone listening out there, again, to each their own. But I do agree with you that however, however much you reveal it's totally up to you as an individual man or woman or non-binary. But it's like if you're trying to build a solid friendship and relationship, it's like you got to know. They have to know something because if not, they might step on trigger points. They might step on different things that are cracks inside of you and not know it unless you tell them, right? And give them that opportunity to try to send you that support and love. So thank you for mentioning that. I think maybe that's something that we can all take a, a note from. And if we do, maybe we'll have healthier friendships and relationships. So finally, what's what's up next? Like, what's up next for you? What's, what 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 big plans do you have in 2022 as you continue to grow your brand and um, take care of yourself mentally as well
1: um yeah so again our main focus right now is building out these self-care boxes and then um working on our Sosa group. so that's all i can share at this moment okay, okay. but um we do have a few other things that are in the books uh, so i'll definitely keep everybody posted
0: where can they find you um Paige, um, a.k.a. St. Jane, where can they they find you uh, on socials and tell them about your website and how they can connect with you in the future?
1: So everything is quite simple. It's 911 St. Jane. Um, So the website is that. Instagram is 911
0: St. Jane. Same thing for Facebook, LinkedIn, and TikTok. Awesome. Well, uh, Paige, you've been a pleasure to speak to today. Wishing you nothing but success and please continue to invest in your mental health and your wealth and well-being and take care of yourself in any way that we can support you here um at the mental wealth podcast we look forward to having you again in the future okay awesome thank you thank you Paige. i just want to thank uh, my guest again uh, miss Paige Gaines, aka Nine One One saint jane thank you so much for being a guest hopefully you guys still enjoyed that episode i know there were some technical issues i had to make a lot of a lot of edits I'm um, in that conversation, but, um, to make it work and for it to be audible for you guys and try to provide you guys the, the best possible content that I can. So just thank you for bearing with us. And again, thank you, uh, Paige for being a remarkable, uh, guest, please support her. All of her information is going to be in the episode notes, wherever you're listening, Apple, Spotify, Google, um, and just look forward to you guys supporting her and reaching out and finding different ways that you guys can collaborate with her as well. I, uh, I kept the intro kind of short because I, you know, when I put these episodes together, typically 9 times out of 10, unless it's an episode that is just one of those introspective, just me speaking. Typically, when you're hearing these conversations, they've been recorded weeks ago. In fact, this conversation was recorded back on March 25th. So it now being May, over a month ago. And that's just vicariously of putting content together um, when I first started this thing. Um, I was probably recording an episode on Wednesday, and it was going out on Monday or Friday, or the you know immediately. But as you grow a platform, you have to be smart about your time and record episodes and have content ready to go. Um, particularly when you're busy and you're battling job, you know, your secular job and all that nonsense. So, um, so, so we're here now releasing the episode. but I, I say that I wanted to highlight how long it's been because, There was something as I was going back through listening and editing the episode um, that I heard. And that's a reason why I shorted my intro, because I'm now listening back to the episode, figuring out, all right, how am I going to introduce this conversation? I had to change it up, obviously, because of the audio issues. So you missed the first five minutes. It had to be chopped up a little bit. And then how am I going to conclude it intentionally, right? And she mentioned something about parents, right, and how she loves her parents and how supportive they are and how she had read a post that, Mm -hmm. you know, hey, don't don't blame your parents. I don't want to misquote the quote. I think it says, um, give your parents a break. They don't they didn't have the same resources as you do. And she mentioned that um, that that really resonated with her. in fact, that's where we pick up. And it's clear for the rest of the episode when she said that. And so for me, as me being authentic to myself on this podcast, on this platform that I've built, I'm going to be honest with you guys. That's a struggle for me sometimes. That's a struggle for me to not blame my parents, right? Now, it's easy to blame society and the environment and the generational gap. But there's times when I wish that my parents listened more and talked less. There's times where I wish they just would have a conversation with me, a regular conversation, and just hear me out and not respond. But just listen. I, I wish there was times where I felt supported. And, of course, if they heard this, they would say, no, we've supported you for 30 years. We love you. Cool. But have you? do you really know me? I was so excited, I mentioned at the outset of this podcast that this week we're gonna officially announce my speaking engagement, my first major speaking engagement in the mental health space. I'm being flown out on an $800, $900 ticket and put up in a a, a very expensive hotel to speak at a mental health event. Someone saw value in me. And you know what one of my parents said? What you doing all that for? You don't need to do all that. That hurt me. That hurt me. It triggered me. Because it's one of my proudest accomplishments. But yet it was so easy for my parents to gaslight it and and validate it because it's not what they see for me. Those, there was some recent other conversations that were had and some other things that were said. And at this point in time, I'm not speaking to my parents. And that's interesting because I live locally, unlike my brothers who are all across the country, I'm the one son that they share together. I'm the youngest. I'm the one as closest. as i probably lived maybe 10, 15 minutes. Not even that. Away. People have called me, texted me. What's going on? If you guys listen to my podcast for a while, you know my phones on Do Not Disturb Always. But there's certain people who are in my favorites, like my best friends, people that I, I call family. Um, Who are able to call me in cases of emergency in the phone ring. Right? My former spouse. Um... My parents were in there, but I intentionally took them out. And I'm not ready to tell them why, but do I have to? Because you know, this is mental health awareness month and you're supposed to do whatever it takes to protect your mental space to protect your peace. And sometimes that means taking a step back even from people that you love. See, I can love you from a distance, even the people that created you. And that's very, very difficult, particularly (laughs) as I go through one of the toughest times in my life, and to their credit, they were there through those dark times of the last four to five months. I told them a lot, but yet for my peace of mind, I have to walk away because the way that I feel when I'm speaking to them is I feel like I'm not heard. I feel like I don't matter. I tried to explain to the one I says, hey, here's what gaslighting is. Gaslighting means you're invalidating me and saying, well, hey. You're making me feel as if I shouldn't feel. And I'm telling you, I'm hurt by this. This affects me. So what next? No, that's not what I need to hear. I need you to acknowledge those feelings. I need you to acknowledge that hurt. I need you to acknowledge that experience. Sometimes you can just put a period after a sentence and it'd be that. It doesn't have to be a solution. It doesn't have to be some other way. It doesn't have to be, well, this, no. Respectfully shut up. Because in this moment, I'm being vulnerable and sharing things with you. And I told one of my parents, I'm not going to make it about who, which one, I have both of them. I told them straight up, I says, they wondered why I have not shared certain things. I says, because you don't give me a safe space to do it. Because I feel like if I'm coming here, I'm going to be judged. Well, you don't want to hear our opinion. We earn the right to give you... No, cool, cool story, dude. But... You have to read the room and understand that that's not what I need in that moment. I'm an emotional guy. I've been through a lot. And it takes a lot for me to want to express myself. When I came in last fall and I recorded that episode, which you didn't see, I can't think of the episode number for the life of me. I talked about a conversation that I had with my mom literally days before. That episode was not going to be recorded. That came off the cuff because I finally told my mom why I had some issues with my father from years ago. It's not just easy just to open up in a black household. It takes time. And that's why I appreciate what Paige said. I challenge myself to be a better son. I challenge myself to give more grace, but it's difficult when you're going through something and you're at your lowest point and people that you think should have your back still don't get it. They don't get it. You know, I was watching a special, Gerard Carmichael, and this is a little off script, but it kind of brings home the point. He, his recent comedy special, he's a comedian. It's called Rothaniel. It was geniusly written. He talked about, His real name is Rothaniel. So spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, that's kind of where it comes from. This whole, this whole special, he's finding his identity. And in the middle of it, he comes out as, as gay. And he he goes on to talk about how he's having issues with his, with his mom. And he says, look, he says, I haven't gotten anything from her at this point. I'll take hate. Because the hate will start to feel like love because at least I know you feel something. At least I know that you care. Yell at me, please yell at me. And he found a genius way to like communicate it with laughter in a genius, genius written way as he told his story. But the point was that he needed something. I need something that I'm not getting from two people who gave me life, from two people that I love. And I'm talking about this in the most respectful way that I can, but I'll I'll tell you one thing. No one's going to tell me what to talk about on my platform. This is my platform. I created it for a reason and this is my truth. This is my journal. So I'm going to do it in a way that that respects people involved and I'm going to do it in a way that respects myself. But I'm going to speak my truth because I couldn't do it if I, I could not continue to do this authentically if I didn't. This is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I'm telling my audience that right now, due to my mental health, I can't have a relationship with my parents in this very moment. That could change. But in this moment, I am protecting my peace. And I'm not speaking to them. Now, I'm not suggesting for you to do the same. But we have to get out of this mindset of, for so long, we just tucked it. Well, that's family. So I'm supposed I'm to just put up with mistreatment or put up with gaslighting or put up with effects on my mental health for the sake of family. And one of my early episodes, I talked about character of my character. I talked about someone who I had a, had a special relationship with, who I called my little sister, who I had issues with. And when I realized that there was issues, I didn't want to be around that person. And then there was someone else in my life who gaslighted those feelings and said, well... Come on. Even if they had an issue with you, they'd be okay with you. No, I'm not going to places where I'm tolerated. I'm going where I'm welcomed. I will not go into those spaces. You will not tell me that I have to go be around people, even if they're blood relatives, because it's what I'm supposed to do if I don't feel comfortable, if I don't feel safe, if my mental health is being affected. I won't do it. And that's where we end this. We end this with an authentic conversation. No matter who you are, what you're going through, what you're feeling. I hope that you take a stand for your mental health in whatever way that you deem fit. It may not be in the way that, 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 that I'm going about it, right? It could be in a different way. And that's totally understandable. But don't. Stay in friendships and relationships because it's just a cool thing to do because it's what's comfortable when it's killing you on the inside. You're miserable, but you're dealing with it because it's what you think you're supposed to do. Want more, desire more, demand more for yourself. And this hurts me. It does. But I'll be hurting more for allowing myself to continue to be in those spaces and hopefully my silence will say more than i ever could say out of my mouth i hope that you guys have enjoyed this conversation i want to end on a positive note again please mentalwealthpodcast.org youtube content episode with clayton uh, Eckert, beautiful episode support us donate to the lee Thompson young foundation if you can two ways to donate our foundation uh, website, you go to my links, mentalwealthpodcast.org, you can go to my Instagram, the mental underscore wealth podcast, check us out, send us an email, let us know how we're doing and how we can continue to support each and every one of you. Now, this is a affirmation I used quite some time ago, sometime last year in one episode, but it might be new to some of you and it perfectly describes how I'm feeling right now. It It compares life like a camera. It says, life is like a camera. Focus on what is important. Capture the good times. Develop from the negatives. And if things don't work out, take another shot.